In this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on the topic of letting love lead. This conversation was originally recorded in June of 2022. We want to remind you that Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. I have had a really disjointed week, um, as I've shared with you, uh, with my mom being in the hospital and all that's going on with her and driving back and forth to Galveston. And I really was afraid I wouldn't have anything to say today. Um, but I've got a lot to say. And uh, uh, just a lot of stuff has been percolating in me as uh, as the week has gone on, it's, it's, I don't have it thought out enough for it to be a nice, succinct five points or three or whatever. So it's going to, it's going to be a little scattered in presentation, but I think it all comes together in, in some, a couple of pretty big ideas. Um, the first thing uh, that, that I'd like to begin with is because this is keep calm is just the idea of how many things are anxiety producing in, in our worlds and how often we give in to fear. And one of, the, one of the primary things that I wrote on my pad, so if it goes on my pad, it means it's a big deal, okay? That I wrote on my pad this, this week is, don't allow fear to lead. Now, I'm going to replace that with what I think we ought to allow to lead, but don't allow fear to lead. And I, I want to say that I think, I think fear is everywhere. And I think for a large number of people, they're afraid of the wrong things. Now, obviously, I'm smart and wise and spiritual and holy, and I know what the right things are to be afraid of. Um, and... And I said all that tongue in cheek because, you know, that's not true. Uh, I, I think the thing I think I think we shouldn't be afraid of anything. And I think that often our fears do run our lives. Uh, I think they they run us politically in our country here often. And. And I just want to remind us, we are about managing our anxiety in ways that fear doesn't lead. And, and so the, 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 what I do always is the first thing, rather than point my finger at other people's fears, I want to point the finger at my own fears. And I want, I want to ask myself, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid is going to happen? What am I afraid? people might do? What am I afraid of? And, and the more, I, the more clarity I can get around what I'm afraid of, the better I can show up in the world. And, and the more I can fight this urgency 
to allow fear to lead. I'll get at this in a moment in more in a more detail. Um, because so so I'm doing all this work and and then this morning I find posted on Facebook uh, a uh, a little blog post by Walter Brueggemann, who's my favorite. And Brueggemann is talking about fear. <laughs> and uh, and and here's the thing I want to confess. I want to confess that I'm not naturally a courageous person. So there's stuff built into men that we think we're supposed to be. And so uh, there's, there's some shame that goes with that. But that's a, that's a really true confession. I am not a, I'm not a really courageous person by nature, but I want to be. And so when I, when I write, don't allow fear to lead, then uh, I, I also wrote, let love lead. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, let well-being for everybody lead. Let shalom lead. Let, let wholeness lead. Uh, it's got a nice little ring to it, though, when we say let love lead. Because Jesus said, I want you to even love your enemies. I want you to love those that are the, the ones that produce the anxiety in you. Uh, I, I would apply it by saying, uh, love those people who see things completely different than you do and make you anxious all the time. Love them. And I want to confess, I don't know how to love my enemies, and I but I want to learn. And one of the things that as I, as I thought about all this, okay, if I'm going to let love lead and I'm, I'm supposed to love my enemies, then I apply it to some faith walking principles and I think about, well, why don't I let love lead? It's because I react out of all those four or five ways that we typically react out of anxiety I, because that dominates me because I, I'm afraid of conflict. And so I distance uh, or whatever. And I got to thinking about the life of Jesus and 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 got to thinking okay Jesus was completely differentiated Jesus completely managed his own anxiety and Jesus also was in conflict with some people I think sometimes we forget that because I, I grew up in Texas and we're supposed to be nice all the time here in Texas, you know, and, and, and you're not supposed to be in conflict with anybody. And so I thought about if I let love lead, then there are moments when out of my best thinking, I can choose conflict. So not all conflict is bad. There's good conflict. There are times because when Jesus confronted the scribes and Pharisees, he engaged in conflict. But he didn't do it violently, and he didn't do it out of emotional reactivity. And, and so to let love lead means, so I'm connecting it with courage, to let love lead means that I can courageously engage in conflict with people based on my best thinking. I hope that makes sense. So all of this kind of got stirring uh, uh, with one of my faith walking groups that I led this week and shared part of my own shame story. 
And, uh, and I'm not going to go into that story, but I, I kind of rewrote one of my positive declarations slash guiding principles this week. And, and it's related to this. And here's what it is. So I, 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 heard, I read a quote, and quotes get me sometimes, as you all know. And uh, I read a quote a number of years ago that, that was this quote, you're playing small doesn't change the world. And I had to confess then, and I continue to confess now, I play small out of fear. Okay, so I, I don't keep calm and, and faith walk on. I hide in fear because in the past, when I've said things of what I believe, I got, I got attacked and, I, and I'm afraid of being attacked. And so, so I, I don't want to be attacked. And so I, I shrink up and I play small and I hide. And I don't say what is so for me, what I really believe, what God has been doing in my life for the last 20 years, I do with y'all most of the time, but I don't in public very often. And so I rewrote this positive declaration. I play big. I courageously define myself in public. And for me, that's what playing big looks like. I courageously define myself in public. Now, notice I, I'm not, I don't attack and I don't defend, I define. And for me, I think that's letting love lead. I, I think letting love lead is this idea. So here's one of my fears. Let me, let me state one of my fears. W one of the fears that I'm most afraid of is that I'm wrong. Right. So I believe deeply and passionately what I believe, but I'm afraid I'm wrong. And so I hide it. Or I believe deeply and passionately what I believe. And I'm afraid if I really tell people that uh, I'm going to get thrown under the bus again and I don't want to get thrown under the bus. I'm tired of getting thrown under the bus. I'm tired of having people throw, uh, I, I call them, I, I called it this this week, and I'm going to be using it more often, religious shame grenades at me. I'm tired of people throwing religious shame grenades at me. And so I hide. And I don't want to hide. I don't want to hide. And, uh, and so I'm going to be living into, and, and y'all can hold me accountable to, I courageously define myself in public, out loud. And I think that's playing big. I also let love lead. And love, so the two go together by me saying, I, I say what is so for me out loud because I, I think it's about the well-being of everybody. I think it's about shalom. I think it's about wholeness being restored. And so I need to say it because it will help. I think, I hope, I want it to. Uh, so back to Walter Brueggemann. I started with him a moment ago. So Walter Brueggemann today is talking about courage and cowardice <laughs> and, and basically calls me out. Okay. And, uh, and, I, I wrote some things and I posted, by the way, I shared uh, the blog 
on my Facebook page. So y'all can find it there. Brenda's already found it and shared it. Um, so when we get, when we, when we become frightened, we become immobilized and we become unable to act. And Brueggemann goes in because he's an Old Testament scholar. He goes into two stories, the story of Gideon uh, when and Gideon's call to lead the people of Israel and the and the call of David to fight with uh, with Goliath and and one of the differences in the two stories is David seemed to be a person that was courageous by nature and Gideon wasn't <laughs> and and I, I want to be a David but I'm more like Gideon because Gideon, uh, you know, he needed a sign, and he needed a sign multiple times. And even when God gave him a sign, he went in the dark because he didn't want his family or, the, or his neighbors to know what he was doing. Well, that's, that's so like me. Yeah, I'm going to do it in the dark, and I'm going to do it when nobody's watching. Uh, uh, and, and so I was challenged by all that today. And... Um, and a couple of things stood out. And again, I know this is all over the map. Uh, what, what he was talking about was we don't have leaders today because all leaders do is do whatever the masses want them to do. And, and I wrote this quote down. What's the point of leadership if it's only following the frightened mass? <laughs> Good point. What, why do we need leadership if leaders aren't leading, if they're just following the frightened mass? And, and so we keep calm and we keep faith walking on, right? Um, then he also said this, and this stood out for me and, and was convicting for me. He said this, from time to time, a practicing coward moves into courage. <laughs> and I love that. A practicing coward moves into courage. And he, he's talking about Gideon and Gideon's story because Gideon was a practicing coward, but Gideon moved into courage. And as Gideon did that, here's the fascinating thing. And this just connects so many things for me. And you may not even be able to know how it connects, but it connects for me. And Gideon, after he obeys God's calling and God provides, and, and by the way, in it all is this idea, God is with us. God's been with us from the beginning and God is with us now. Uh, but after victory, Gideon builds an army or a, a, an altar. And he builds an altar, which, which I want to describe as he builds a historical marker right? Let's remember. Let's remember that God was with us. And so he builds a, a historical marker. And here's what the name of his historical marker was. Jehovah Shalom. God is peace. Or as Ken Schumann likes to say it, God is wholeness. And God was about the business of restoring wholeness in this endeavor. And so we're going to build a historical marker reminding ourselves that not only is God love, God is wholeness. 
Jehovah Shalom. Uh, that's in uh, Judges chapter six, if you want to go read the story. All of that stood out for me. All of that spoke to me today. And um, yeah, I don't know what else I want to say. Uh, I just want, I want to reiterate this idea that I believe as followers of Jesus, that God is inviting us all uh, to move from being practicing cowards into courage. I think that's a message I want to share. And I want to share the message that too often fear is the leader of our lives. And let's, let's let love lead. Or another way to say it is, let's let shalom lead. Let's let the, the God who is peace lead. Let's let the God who is for well-being lead. For me, all those are synonyms for shalom. Uh, let, let's let the God who wants to restore wholeness in me and in you and in our community and in our world and in our country, let's let that God lead us to be courageous lovers. And when we let love lead, I think we can find our courage and we can play big and the world can be different. I'm sure I could rattle on some more, but uh, that's probably the most succinct and clear that I will be. So let's just pause it there and see what's that stir up for you. When I read that this morning, and it's a long read, but it's worth the read, I never thought of courage in the way that he wrote it mm -hmm. you know you, you think of people that can't do or won't do because of fear and you you consider them weak or I mean some we we I'm not saying you but some sometimes it's you consider them weak but I loved how he expressed and I actually have it up right now that towards the end where he talks about just hope you know, mm -hmm. believing in those that may be fearful as they're walking through this. I know myself and things that I've had to learn and do in my life. It just brought me back to very fearful moments and pushing myself forward in fear and getting to a point where I could actually follow through with whatever it was. But um, I love when he said that the, the work of faith is not yet finished. This is the very end. And he says, imagine the brave work of Gideon and, and of David is not perfect apart from us. It depends on us to complete the perfection of their brave work. So it's this continuation. Mm -hmm. Right. Generational continuation. Right. Just, just because someone has fell behind, you know, before us doesn't mean that we can't try to continue. That yep. bring, to, brings a lot of hope to me. Good, Brenda. Good. So I think courage. I think it takes courage for each and every one of us to kind of show up and look at, look inwardly. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that takes a lot of courage, mm -hmm. but kudos to everyone who's doing that because not everyone is. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if David was less scared because he was younger and more naive. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, he was, he was just a kid and, and maybe Gideon yeah. had more life experiences where you know, he'd gotten burned a little bit. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm still trying, I'm still fascinated by this book by uh, Mandy Smith about um, receiving a childlike faith, um, the book called Unfettered and how can we act more like children? Mm -hmm. It's easier to be courageous because, you know, they have no expectations. They just, you know, when they get scared, they just grab dad's hand 
Um, they, yeah. They'll sit on dad's lap when we're going for a ride. And, um, you know, they're just anticipating things. And I think it's easier maybe to be courageous when you have that kind of childlike mindset. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, Jan. Yeah. That's a good word. I, somebody just brought this up yesterday in therapy and I said, why is it that as we get older, we, is it be, we just become more fearful or is it because we become more knowledgeable of what the possibilities of what can happen, you know, and they all voted it was age. So I, I don't know. That, that's a good well, one. You, be, you become more scared. I mean, you know, um, mm -hmm. there's nothing more scared than an intensive care nurse. I mean, you don't go anywhere without a helmet and, um, you know, all the traffic accidents and all the freaky things you see with trauma, there's, I mean, mm. talk about a paranoid person as an ICU nurse. <laughs> wow, I bet. As you age, you're more aware of what you can lose, right? Mm -hmm. We lose status, we lose jobs, we lose mm. friends, we lose stuff, we lose our house, mm. all of it. Mm. And when you're five, you don't have any of that. You don't yeah. care. Yeah. So, I mean, the point works, so. <laughs> be childlike mm. um yeah ken as you were explaining how you were you know reading that article you know and even as i was listening to you kind of go through that um you know in our tradition we call it um, you know reading someone's mail mm -hmm. meaning you like you <laughs> accidentally you know spirit-led kind of because this this morning i was having a conversation with kelly my wife um this this sunday in our in our little church we're going through the fruit of the spirit and trying to kind of break some of the normal religious kind of just be kind. Right. You know, this, anyway, and making this deeper thing, we're doing faithfulness. And I wanted to take some time to talk about um, when the church is not faithful and, and with Juneteenth coming mm -hmm. right up, talk, talk about, race and talk about how the church um you know in our evangelical circle that i'm in would have a narrative that the church was kind of an innocent bystander or pick right. the few people that were were doing good things um but overall we were actually kind of on the wrong side of history and and so i'm trying to like <laughs> navigate that and then connect the dots that it really wasn't that long ago yeah Right. Mm -hmm. You know, my mm -hmm. dad was born in 1964. That's when Martin Luther King passed the Civil Rights Act. Uh, you know, um, I have some uncles who were, you know, in Bob Jones University that didn't segregate until the late 80s into the 90s. They weren't wanting to segregate, you know, so it's like. But how to bring that up in a way that is loving. That was one of the things you said, because a part of me can not be loving. I just. Yeah. want to smack them, you know, mm -hmm. like, like mm -hmm. cut it out. And, and there's a degree of that's, that's maybe needed. Um, but just, you know, because I talk to myself a lot. I'm in my head all the time. And so my wife's like, what are you thinking about? Because I'm just pacing, talking back and forth. How do I? And, and so, and a lot of it as I was leaving was how to do with courage. You know, do I have the courage to um, be loving and not just whack my people and say, stop being so racist? Yeah. um yeah. which is my that would be my personality um you know mm -hmm. i have i love the stories of david attacking the bear and the lion and mm -hmm. you know um but uh but that doesn't you know david's ability to do that also got david in trouble a lot mm -hmm. um later in in life um 
and so so yeah you're just kind of like giving me some really great encouragement to to step into that space because it is what i feel and i feel like you know as being a pastor in a public space as you're talking about is like I feel like they, they get probably 10% of what I really think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they, I, I would be alone in a room <laughs> <laughs> if I really, if I really laid out, you know, and, and uh, yeah, so it's just been good um, just hearing that and, and um, trying to hold so many different views together, but steer us towards um, just creative goodness in the world which sometimes yeah. means look, looking at the log in our own eye yeah, and, and being a little more understanding of, of where others might be coming from. Um, so yeah, so that, that's kind of what's going through my head and what's being worked up and I'm still like, you know, anyway, that anger mixed with, yeah. Um, anyway, you know, yeah, Sean, uh, thank you for all of that. I, I think it, um, uh, for me, I'm trying to learn, yeah, what does it look like to be angry and sin not? Yeah. What, what, what does it look like to actually engage in conflict and it not be an emotional reaction that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to step out here and I know this is going to stir some folks up and, uh, and it's the right thing to do or the right thing to say. And I'm going to do it out of my very best thinking. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what I'm trying to learn how to do mm-hmm. and to, and to learn. So how do I, how do I learn to love the racist? Because I'm yeah, with that, you, you know, yeah. how, how do I love the racist? How, well, how do I, how do I love, I'm sorry, let me say one more thing. How, yeah, yeah, yeah. how do, how do I, how do I love, the Christian in my church who doesn't think she or he is a racist. <laughs> that's the one that's the hardest. It's, it's, it's a little easier when a person's just blatantly racist, but, the, but it's the person that won't admit they're a racist. That yeah. is frustrating for me. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's exactly what I was kind of, before we got on the call is processing through is, is before I breached the conversation, wanted to talk with our community a little bit about how we do other others. Yeah. Right. And we make that's really that's really love your enemy, like wrestling right. with that. And mm-hmm. in my anxiety really <laughs> is I'm anticipating another viewpoint before I even say mine. I'm anticipating what's going to come right. back at me. And I'm already in my head degrading. Uh, <laughs> I'm making I'm making them seem stupid. I'm making them seem out of touch. And, and, and I'm just doing the same thing that they're doing. But I'm anticipating, right. you know, and we're just and I'm like, so how do I love my enemy? Um, or my perceived enemy, you know, and othering, you know, so it's like, so here it's just like we're all, you know, anyway, and I have no answers too. That's the other hard part is I have no answers to any of these problems. And um, yeah, and that's that's what other that's that's always the other the other argument is so what are we to do? Right. Um, and it's right. like, well, I know what not to do. <laughs> Right. Let's start there. <laughs> Let's start there. Let's start not doing those things we know not to do. I'm with you. Yeah. And um, yeah. Uh, and and for me, Sean, the beginning place is simply asking the question and thinking deeply about the question. What does it look like to love my enemy? And and for me, it's who are my enemies? 
You know, I, I know there are, there are countries in the world opposed to my country. I mean, we could we could name some North Korea, China and Russia. Those are our enemies. OK, uh, the you know, Afghanistan, uh, Iran, those are our enemies. But but I don't see those people every day. And I'm not even sure they're our enemies, even if I did. So so then identifying who are my enemies and. And to some degrees, it's it's the people throwing me under the bus. Those are my enemies, right? So how do I love those people that are throwing me under the bus? Because, because I don't align exactly the way they want me to align with parts of my thing. Or maybe I don't align very closely at all. Anyway, I'm rambling. Let me shut up. Oh, by the way, uh, thanks for making me anxious today and putting me into depression, Sean. Uh, when you gave the date of, uh, birth date of your father. I'm older than your father, buddy. So, you know. I, I did think of that as I put that out there. Like that's, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, I was, well, we were going through, uh, uh, you know, my wife's dad's a little older and, and I was, you know, um, you know, Brown versus Board of Education was in 54. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, my, grand, my grandparents were, you know, teenagers or 20s, right? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, to think that that all that's gone because we've made a few laws is uh, well, yeah, pretty, it's obvious it isn't gone. It's obvious it isn't gone. But yeah. but you're right. Uh, yeah, we're and and where does that come from? So so here here's what I believe. I believe at its root, racism is about shame. Sure. So if we can help people address their shame and get healing and wholeness around their shame. I think that's the answer to get rid of racism. Now, where do you begin? How do you do that? Where do you start? How do you, how do you help people even acknowledge they have shame? Well, we're trying to do that in faith walking, but boy, is it slow. Okay, enough of me and Sean. What about the rest of you? Ken, I don't know if I, I mean, really have any answers to any of what, but as y'all were talking, as you and Sean were talking um, personally, I mean, it is about being awareness of being when I'm reactive as mm -hmm. to when I can respond. And I've had some triggers lately within the realm of church and um, just being mindful of it, but also context. But I guess the thing that really came to me is how can I bring compassion, mm -hmm. compassion, to me, I mean, it's, it's love, but it's like in those instances where I may react inside, like, oh my gosh, I can't stand your way of thinking. I can't stand the way your way of talking, but how can I turn it into compassion mm -hmm. for that person and to listen in compassion instead of making the story in my mind of what I want to say to them? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Those were just my thoughts. No, no, yeah. but just compassion keeps coming up to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I Leslie, the question that I posed in the in the chat was meant to be rhetorical. How do we speak truth and love without hur hurling religious shame grenades ourselves? But your Correct. answer was 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 really good. Differentiation, you know, as we're, you probably you know the SBC had their conference this week. The Christian Reformed Church had their conference this week, and you all can see on Zoom that I put she and her 
on my next to my name that I identify mm -hmm. as an ally, but I'm aware of the LGBTQ community that I want to support. So it's very public on my Zoom thing. Um, but according to the CRC, um, as of this week, I'm not just allowed to be different with that opinion, but I'm wrong. It, I have it, that they have made it a confessional truth, a mm. sacrilege, that that is a wrong position to have, mm. and to not be offended by that or be angry mm. back or respond in any way not Jesus-like is a differentiation challenge mm. that I think all of us will be um, in whatever the context um, will be facing more and more whatever the issue is, mm -hmm. but to allow for those differences to stay lovingly connected without shaming, without this, you're wrong, um, is, is, right. is going to get harder and harder. And that does take courage. And it does take showing up when you're afraid. And like that, unlike the five-year-old, the consequences are, are, are big Yeah, as we're aging, as we become adults. So I had some learning that I just I came upon me in the last two weeks, um, and it's kind of similar. Um, you can't hate someone up close, right? Um, I have a very good friend who made a decision that um, I that really hurt me personally. It angered me, and I felt betrayed. And I had all of those feelings that I was able to articulate, and the reasons why because of my vows and blah blah blah. And your decision caused all of those feelings in me and yet I I need to and I want to stay in relationship with you and I care about you so I've never had the opportunity to do that because anytime someone has angered me or betrayed me they've left hmm. um, and this person is still leaving but I'm going to be in relationship with them so mm -hmm. that's I that's only because of the spirit and um the clarity of that came because of faith walking, but how I'd live that out now, it's going to be hard. So, yeah, sure. And Tammy knows who I'm talking about, but anyway. sure, sure. So, so to perceive someone in church, I mean, you can move away from them, but you'll have to see them all the time. But if this is somebody who's really close to you, yeah, and then to tell them you really hurt me and I'm, I'm so angry with you, but I care about you and, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I have mastered cutoff. I have been proud of my ability to cut people off. And dang it, now through faith walking, I, I need to work against that proclivity and learn to stay differentiated but connected. Uh, and I sort of begrudgingly appreciate that tenet that we practice and preach here. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so hard. I was thinking about what you said, Jan, you know, just having the ability. I, I don't even, I'm like failing in courage in that area right now. Cause I had a situation this past week that a very close family member that I've worked really hard, really, really hard to stay in connection and love um, is, is a racist and is so foul mouthed that I can't even, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I cannot sit there. It just makes my skin crawl, you know, in the, but yet I still feel it's important to stay in that relationship. And, you know, my husband had to remind me and, and it, it, man, there was some deep hurt there because some stuff was said that di I didn't warrant it, 
warranted yeah. it. And my son was a witness to it and my husband and, and I, it took every fiber on my being not to just walk away and cut, you know, cut off or get into an argument. But I just sat there cringing and we were stuck watching a movie together. And I was just like, oh, when is this movie over? But, you know, kind of made a quick exit. But my husband said, what do you expect? This person hasn't been through faith walking. They don't even have a probably have a clue of what they're doing and how they're, you know, talking and saying. And I said, oh, yes, they do. You know, <laughs> and, and he said, you've changed. They have it. Don't expect them to change. That's good. Yeah. And I, I'm listening now. I said, what do you mean? Don't expect them. I said, then what do I do? He goes, well, it's up to you. You can either never be around them or continue with the relationship as is going in, always knowing they're going to take a 180 on you. <laughs> That's a good word for sure. How, how is it that your husband's giving you good faith walking coaching and he's <laughs> been through faith walk? You wouldn't believe <laughs> how many, like, like I do a lot of audiobooks, especially when I'm cooking or cleaning or whatever. My husband, unfortunately, I say, unfortunately, he has to listen to everything that I don't force on him, but it's just mm -hmm. there. And, and he hears all the faith walking set, you know, because I, I do edits. So right. he hears all the podcasts uh, and he throws go. it right back at me, <laughs> especially when we get in an argument. Of course, of course. <laughs> All right, group, folks are having to leave and uh, we're, we're past time. Uh, great conversation. Thank you for having it with me. And I want to invite you to think about what does it look like to live into it? What does it look like to let love lead and, and to stop allowing fear to lead our lives? I, I think those are the things that are most challenging for me. Great to see you. I love this group. Thank y'all for being here. Um, y'all are a gift to me. So thank you very much. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you, that faith walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us backslash donate. Thank you for listening.